Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Livecast. My name is Mark Cowart, sitting in for Andrew Womack tonight. And we've got an awesome program for you. We have with us tonight Matt Staver, who's no stranger to this broadcast and a real friend of this ministry. And he's the founder and chairman of Liberty Council. And uh, I know personally as a pastor, uh, we directed so many people, Richard, Mm -hmm. to his website to help with all the nonsense that went on during COVID and things like that. So Matt, we want to welcome you to Truth and Liberty once again. Well, thank you. It's always good to be with you, Mark and Richard. My pleasure. And we'll do a little bit more proper and a better introduction. Richard's got some items he needs to share with the listening audience. And uh, so, Richard, I'll give that over to you. All right. Thanks, Mark. It's so good to have Matt Staver with us tonight. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Be sure to text and send the word out now to your family and friends. Let them know they need to tune in tonight. I guarantee that there's going to be information you're going to hear in this program that you will not hear anywhere else. Uh, So we're super excited about tonight's show. Hey, listen, if you're watching on YouTube tonight, or trying to, um, be sure to watch on our website directly at truthandliberty.net so you'll have the most reliable viewing experience. And we've got some resources posted there on truthandliberty.net that you'll want to check out. The election is only, uh, what now, Mark, two, three weeks away and uh, uh, the election day. Here in our home state, it's already started with early ballots and and mail-in ballots and all that sort of thing. So be sure to check out your voter guide resources on truthandliberty.net. Of course, Colorado, we've got our own voter guide that Truth and Liberty is prepared. Uh, you can get those directly on our website. We want to recommend also iVoterGuide. Our good friends there are preparing voter guides in many states across the country, so be sure to access that resource. As well as the My Faith Votes Voter Hub is an excellent resource. It'll, you can even pull up your ballot and uh, access voter guide links there, so be sure to check that out. Here at Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College, there's some great events coming up. November 3rd through the 4th is the Women Arise Conference, and uh, Terry Savelle Foy, Audrey Mack and Carrie Pickett are going to be ministering. Uh, Sorry guys, this one's for the ladies only, but women, uh, you need to come out and check out this event. Get refired, recharged, encouraged, and ministered to in a way like you can't hardly anywhere else. You can register on awmi.net slash events. Also, Andrew Womack will be ministering along with Pastor Dwayne Sheriff at the uh, Dallas Gospel Truth Conference, uh, November 10th through the 12th. That is going to be an amazing time. So anybody that lives, uh, you know, within 100 miles of Dallas, you need to attend that event. It's going to be awesome. You can register again on awmi.net slash events. And then the heart of Christmas. Can you believe the holidays are approaching, Mark? Um, I'm not sure I'm ready yet. But (laughs) December 9th through the the 11th is the heart of Christmas at Karis Bible College. 
College. It's an awesome program, an awesome show. It's a drama that is written exclusively uh, for us by Robert and Elizabeth Murin. It will move you. It will remind you of the true meaning of, of Christmas and the reason Christ came to the earth as told through the eyes of the Jewish people. It's a powerful show. Get your tickets now at awmi.net slash events. And then a living nativity, December 16th through the 18th at Karis. Uh, what an amazing uh, special treat that is. You can get the family and drive by and see the lights and the camels and the horses and the donkeys and Mary and baby Jesus and the whole thing. It's really wonderful. What a conversation piece it is to be able to share with your children the reality of Christ's birth. So come check that out. Hey, wanted to mention uh, our subscribe, our newsletter. If you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, we send out every week action alerts, blog posts, uh, uh, resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square because that's what we're about here at Truth and Liberty. If you subscribe this week, we'll put your name in the hat and you're eligible to receive a free uh, product. This week we're giving away Andrew's book, Sharper Than a Two-Edged Sword. You know, the Bible refers to the Word of God as sharper than a two-edged sword. And in this book, it's a summary of 16 different messages that Andrew has given over the years uh, on the subject of grace on the one hand and faith on the other hand, and it's an, a fantastic resource. So become a subscriber today and be eligible to receive that. Last week we gave away more Grace, More Favor, Andrew's book on the subject of humility. And Deborah Brewster, congratulations, you're the winner of that book. We'll be sending you an email soon where you can uh, claim that gift. And then uh, this is an interactive live cast, folks. Be sure to send in your comments and questions on the comment uh, section on Facebook or the chat section on our website at truthandliberty.net, and we'll do our very best to get to your questions tonight. We are doing some amazing stuff here, Mark, at Truth and Liberty. You know that because you're right here in the trenches with us. Uh, voter guides, pastor and church mobilization stuff, all the things I've already mentioned, and uh, we're going to be doing even more next year. And we do this through the generosity of our donors and subscribe our donors. If you're not a Truth and Liberty member, I want to invite you to prayerfully consider uh, becoming one today. All you have to do is go on our website to the donate page, sign up to give an automatic recurring gift of $5 or more per month, and you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. We'll send you in the mail this Declaration of Independence, Constitution of the United States, and also Andrew's own Declaration of Dependence on the Holy Bible, and uh, it's an awesome resource for you to carry around. You can fight the liberals with it. You know, it's banned reading in most of our schools now, Mark. <laughs> uh, but everybody needs to know the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. So uh, become a member today, and we'll send that to you as well. I wanted to mention as well the Truth and Liberty Conference, which was in September. Uh, the CDs, DVDs, USBs of that event are now available for purchase. Uh, just go on our website, uh, or you can call in at 635 or 719-635-1111 and uh, purchase those. And speaking of that phone number, if you need prayer tonight, you need someone to agree with you in faith uh, before the Lord for whatever your need is, feel free to call in 719-635-1111 and someone will, not just someone, but trained, Word of God trained, Spirit-filled prayer ministers will agree with you in prayer. Praise the Lord. That's all I've got. That's awesome, Richard. And I'll yeah. mention this year's Truth and Liberty Conference was the most powerful to date. You brought a fiery message, brother, but there were so many. I'm there actually were. going back listening to some of those. So yeah. I hope you all will take advantage of that. Well, tonight we have with us once again Matt Staver. He is the founder and chairman of Liberty Council. 
And uh, as always, Matt, I'm sitting here reading. You know, I got down here to the bottom. This really blessed me. You know, here you are, a leading attorney in this nation, being used to the Lord. But prior to law school, you pastored several churches. Somehow I had missed this. It says you read Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, and Syriac. And I, I look sitting between you two guys, I go, what am I doing here? <laughs> you, you, you guys have an amazing background. And Matt, uh, you know, I think I've said this, I've been able to be able to be on the interview with you a couple of three times, but I never thought the day would come. We would need an organization like yours to defend mm. the church, the body of Christ from our own government. And I shudder to think if you weren't there, you are truly in the trenches, you're on the front lines, and you're a critical part of uh, the church right now defending us against the onslaught. So we know you're like the tip of the spear in so many areas. I've, we at Church for All Nations have sent so many people to your website, and I don't even know how many, I, I've lost count of how many benefited from your help with the vaccine mm -hmm. mandates and all those different things. And so can you update us? What's going on in your world now? What are some current battles that you're facing? What are some victories that you've seen? Well, thank you. It's uh, certainly, you know, if we think back a year ago, just where we were uh, with, you know, AWMI and, and Karis, remember that just a year ago in mm -hmm. October of 2021, we were right in the thick of this battle and it's not very far in the past and it's not over. Uh, they don't wanna let it go. And so some of these mandates, particularly with the federal government are still in existence. The mandates regarding federal contractors, federal employers, the, the CMS mandate, which is all those facilities that have Medicaid or Medicare that they receive or treat Medicare or Medicaid patients, those are still in effect. The Head Start mandate still in effect. Now I will say, however, that federal courts have blocked, thankfully, the Biden federal contractor mandate, which is a massive mandate, because that covers all federal contractors, which include banks that have small business loans or PPP loans. Those are federal contractors because they get some benefit or contract with the federal government. Boeing is a federal contractor because it produces some equipment for the United States government. So many others are federal contractors. That's a massive uh, reach of this particular mandate. But that's blocked by the federal courts, the federal employee mandate for federal employees. That's so far that's blocked by the federal courts. The Head Start mandate even imposed it on Head Start programs. Half of the states have blocked them. It's basically the red states that have filed a lawsuit have won in the courts right now. The blue states still have it in effect because they didn't challenge it. The OSHA mandate has been blocked. In fact, it's now been repealed uh, because it has not survived. The CMS mandate, which is the Medicaid Medicare mandate, has not been blocked. It's still in effect. So it's upon all of these healthcare workers around the country. But uh, it's not uh, over for healthcare workers because uh, we just recently uh, won or settled a class action case in Illinois against North Shore University <coughs> Health Systems for $10,337,500 on behalf of about 500 healthcare workers. That will be finalized in December with the final approval. But we've got class certification for these healthcare workers. North Shore 
about a year ago in September. They imposed the mandate, and they said no religious exemptions across the board. So some of these individuals were fired. Others succumbed to the pressure and got the COVID shot against their will and against their religious convictions. All of these individuals will now receive compensation for the violation of the federal law, which is Title VII, the employment law that applies to all employers across the country that have 15 or more employees. So this is applicable not just to healthcare workers, not just to Illinois, it's applied to all different workers across the country. That's the Title VII law. And so all these people will get compensated. They'll be able to return to their same job with no loss of income. The policies will be changed and every position will be entitled to religious accommodation now. So even though that CMS mandate is still in effect, there's other federal and state laws that are available for healthcare workers across the country. But the one that is also still in effect is the United States military, partially in effect. Um, there are six branches. Right now, we've gotten injunctions and class-wide protections for four of the six branches. And that includes the Navy, the Air Force, the Space Force, the most recent branch, and the United States Marines. Uh, we are now pursuing class certification for the United States Coast Guard and the United States Army. But notwithstanding the fact that four of the six have class-wide injunctions against these mandates from Biden, they're still facing a lot of pressure. And the pressure is just unconscionable. Some, for example, are not, they're not being discharged because of the fact that we've got these injunctions. But some people are stationed in Korea or Japan, and they're not allowed to come home unless they get the vax. They won't get the vax. So they're stuck in Korea or Japan. One person has been there, supposed to be there for 12 months, has now been there for 18 plus months has never seen his child that was born while he was gone and can't have any um, any date in sight. There's no date in sight as to when he'll be able to come back because they won't let him return unless he takes the vax, but they're not going to discharge him. Uh, we have helicopter pilots that can't fly their helicopters. They're trained helicopter pilots, very skilled. They're, they're doing desk jobs, so they can't get their hours. They're not being discharged but they can't fly the helicopter, which means they can't get their hours and therefore they can't advance. So they're doing menial administrative work. So this is the kind of thing that this Biden administration is still doing against the men and women in the armed services. Well, Matt, we were talking about this a little bit before we went live here. You've been at the forefront of this battle and every once in a while I'm seeing this stuff pop up about mandated vaccine and first off, I don't see the COVID that we heard talked about. And then when the COVID thing was going on, I guess miraculously flu was cured and uh, yeah. all of that stuff went away. What's, give us some insight. How are they able to do this? It's destroying people. And yet we don't have these supposed waves of COVID and stuff like that. What is really going on out there? Well, I was just at a medical conference over the weekend uh, regarding COVID. There was lots of different doctors of all specialties and scientists from around the country that actually do a lot of research on this area. And what they are seeing in their research and those in private practice, that the ones that are getting the COVID worse are those that have the vax. Mm. They're also seeing a lot of injured people 
uh, in their practice that have had the COVID shots, all kinds of injuries of all sorts, uh, heart conditions, other kinds of immunological conditions, whether you know, their natural innate immune system has been wrecked, which means consequently they're not only getting COVID more frequently, but also at more severe levels than other people who've never had the vax. But they're also seeing uh, an increase in cancers. People that were cancer-free, now their cancer has come back, but it's come back in a very aggressive way. Mm -hmm. People that didn't have cancer all of a sudden got cancers that were very aggressive, uh, and individuals that were otherwise healthy got these rapidly uh, progressive cancers. So they're seeing all kinds of different adverse conditions within these employees or I should say patients. Um, so what they're seeing, number one, is that it's not safe. Number two, they're seeing that it's not effective in preventing COVID. Uh, this one panel of physicians, these were, oh, this panel was all women. Uh, most of them had uh, small children that were still uh, school age. Uh, one of them said that for concern of the pushback that she would get, she tried to remain silent as much as possible, but she said, when they start coming after the kids, then I'm going to speak up. And now they're mandating these COVID shots for kids. And she said, she can't be silent. She's livid over this. And as she said, over my dead body, my children will get this COVID shot because of what she's seen it do to people and children uh, that have had the shots. Um, and so I think what they're seeing is um, some really negative reactions. They're also seeing other things that probably those that were advocates of the COVID shot didn't intend. Uh, two different things. Number one, uh, people are having uh, an extremely high vaccine hesitancy across the board because they've looked at COVID shots. They realized they weren't tested that they're not safe, that there was a lot of propaganda to get them, and it was a big lie. And the lies are becoming more and more evident every day. Then they start looking at other vaccines, and they look at people that have had autism. They look at the fact that a lot of these other vaccines, like the flu vaccines, they're not tested either. So there's a hesitancy against all these vaccines in general. Number two, there's a hesitancy that has developed against taking uh, people to the hospital for fear of what the hospital will do. Because we've all heard of people that have gone to the hospital with COVID. Uh, they've been turned away. They've been told, go home until you can't breathe. And then when they come back, they give them remdesivir, which is very bad. And then they have this protocol of, you know, the vent and the trach, and then they die. Um, and they have serious adverse mm. consequences. So. People don't want to take their kids into the hospital unless it's absolutely necessary. They don't know whether they're going to get the jab while they're there, unbeknownst to the family. So there's a there's a reluct there's a distrust that has happened of the medical profession uh, for good reason because the medical profession has been complicit with a lot of this, uh, and and the reason why they explained many of these doctors, multiple doctors said that Medicare, uh, Medicaid, for example they will ding a doctor for not having a certain percentage of their patients vaccinated. And these hospitals will lose, uh, will get lower reimbursements from Medicare or Medicaid 
if they don't have a certain percentage of their nursing staff vaccinated. And this is all vaccines, not just COVID. So what we're seeing is a lack of independence and critical thinking and autonomy within the individual physicians being controlled by outside forces that are really beholden to the pharmaceutical companies and to big government. Wow. Well, Matt, I, uh, I asked you this question before the break. I'm, um, you know, the way that the pandemic, can we even call it a pandemic? I don't know if that's technically accurate anymore, given what we know. Pandemic of a manufactured virus, I guess. But the way the pandemic was handled across the country with unprecedented lockdowns, isolation of healthy people, uh, masks, mandatory social distancing, <laughs> shutting down businesses and all the like, and the, the, just the incredible uh, approach that was taken. You know, I remember when it started and they said two weeks to flatten the curve. Two yeah. weeks, it's all it's gonna take and we just wanna slow down the spread, it was the promise. And it turns into now two to three years of tyranny. And I'm wondering, did any of that, all that whole system, that whole regime, did it actually prevent people from getting COVID? Do we have a lower infection rate? Are there fewer, did lives get saved because of all of that nonsense? Where are we now three years later? You know, in talking to some of the medical doctors and the scientists, I think we have a higher infection rate, we have a higher death rate, and we have other damages that are collateral damages unrelated to the virus itself, but directly related to the lockdowns and the restrictions. You know, for example, when, when you look at um, the math scores right now for fourth grade through eighth grade, uh, they've plummeted since COVID because of these lockdowns. Uh, you talk to any parent that was um, in the system of the public schools or even private schools that weren't prepared for going online. And they talk about how miserably uh, they failed in that sy uh, system to try to put all these kids in online programs when they weren't prepared for it and the parents weren't, weren't prepared for how to deal with uh, these issues. So we have, dumbed down a gener we have dumbed down two to three years of our young people. Uh, that's gonna be really difficult if, if not irreversible. Not only that, we have masked them up we have psychologically damaged them. You know, when I fly, I was just in your state of Colorado, and every time I fly, who do I see wearing masks in the airports or other places? It's the young people. Um, and oftentimes it's the, little, the littler kids. And why? Because they've been brainwashed and they've been frightened that if they don't wear these masks, even now, uh, that uh, somehow, you know, it's almost like a training wheel. It's, it's like, a um, a safety blanket, um, but it's a fear factor. They look at you know people's faces and they don't see their their face, and they don't know whether you're happy, you sad. Uh, there's a psychological damage that I've talked to different psychologists and psychiatrists that say that some of that is potentially irreversible damage that we've inflicted on the psyches of these young children. But then we have you know other collateral damage with businesses that have gone bankrupt and churches that have still not recovered because uh, unlike what um, you know you did uh, there you and others were were strong and standing up against these restrictions but others they just continued to shut down and the longer they shut down the harder it is for them to rebuild and for some of those churches some of those churches are not in existence anymore maybe that's a good thing maybe they weren't doing what they were supposed to do in the first place 
Um, but there's been a leather, the, the bigger damage besides the collateral damage is the direct um, health consequences. Uh, number one, when, when, you, when you quarantine people, you weaken their immune system. My wife grew up in Alaska and she was in a very isolated place. They did fishing on a boat. Uh, they were the only people on this little small island. Every month when the plane would come in and they would do the mail mm. drop and the food drop, they would get sick. And they realized that there was a causal relationship between them having a weaker immune system because they weren't around other people and then being in contact with mail that had been handled by other people with colds and other kinds of germs. So they decided to start spraying their mail with Lysol, leaving it outside for a day, and that stopped it. Um, mm. But that is the same, that's a basic premise. You start isolating people and they're not around others, their immune system is going to get weakened. Uh, your, your immune system gets strengthened by being in the environment. So we weakened the immune system. Then we injected people with this mRNA COVID shot and that weakens the immune system and makes you more susceptible to COVID, makes you more susceptible to immunological other diseases as well. So what we've seen, you know, we were talking just before we got on the air about, you know, these young athletes that are just dying uh, in the middle of their game, uh, whether it's practice or in the live game. There was a radio announcer that just died recently in the middle of the broadcast. There was a singer who just died young these are young people who are just dropping dead that's just not normal and the reason why we're seeing that is i did an interview with dr ryan cole he's a pathologist and uh, has one of the largest um, pathology companies in iowa and he was looking at autopsies and blood clots and he was determining whether they were related to the spike protein from covid or the spike protein from the shots. And he said they're definitely related to the COVID shots. When we think of blood clots, we think of these micro small <clears throat> clots, certainly nothing bigger than a marble. That would be a huge one. But the kind of blood clots that these shots are doing are worm-like several feet long, several inches up to several feet long. In fact, there was a 17-year-old who was beginning his football season this year started having extreme back pain and leg pain, didn't know why, went to the hospital. And fortunate for this one, he's a very fortunate individual who never play again, but they removed from his leg a six foot long blood clot. These are rubbery, worm-like. It's almost, uh, the best way to describe it is like it's a worm-like rubbery substance that you would have for a fishing worm. Um, these are long, rubbery substances that literally clog up the, the blood. Uh, the, what we're seeing across the world are uh, funeral homes and um, coroners saying that when they embalm a body, they cannot put the liquid all the way through their body to flush out the rest of the blood. They're getting back pressure. And so they're removing these massive blood clots that have accumulated in these bodies. Uh, a recent uh, coroner just said 95% of the people that he's doing uh, preparation for in the funeral home, 95% uh, of them have had a COVID shot within two weeks of dying. Oh 
two weeks of coming to the funeral home, 95%. How, uh, why is this information not making it into the press, Max? Why are, uh, Matt, we're, we're hearing about people dying suddenly, but we're not hearing, oh, it's related to the vaccine. Well, it's because, uh, the, number one, they're not asking the question, did you just get the COVID shot? You have to do your own research to find out that they, in fact, did get the COVID shot. And why is the media not asking the question? Well, why did the protocol happen to all these hospitals? Why did they all do the same thing? Why did you not have hospitals breaking out of the mold? You know, for example, you've got different hospitals that are specialists in heart, cancer, other kinds of transplants. Uh, they are specialists, specialists in different areas. Why did you not find any hospitals that broke out of the mold that were really doing a good job treating COVID patients? Because it was controlled by the federal government reimbursements. If they did not follow the federal government Fauci protocol for treating COVID, which is your remdesivir and your trach and your vent, um, and no other medications like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, then they would lose reimbursements and the reimbursements were substantial. So they all stayed within that same mold. Why is the media silent? Why are they so pro-COVID shot? And why do they censor and ignore this kind of information, Richard? It's because they've gotten um, lots and lots of money. Fox News has gotten it. Newsmax has gotten money from the federal government. The money was a, a billion or two billion dollars from the federal government to these news media sources. And most of them took the money. They got tens and tens of millions of dollars to do news reports that would push the COVID shot, that would come against people that were opposed to the mandates and the restrictions, and that would censor anything that raised concern about the COVID shots, the safety or efficacy. That's why you're not seeing this in some of the so-called mainstream media. Hey, Matt, we just had put up your website and uh, directing people to truth about vaccines. What will they find if they go to that part of your website? To lc.org forward slash vaccine, uh, that's the page that we have dedicated to these COVID shots and vaccines in particular. What they will find is a lot of information about adverse uh, injuries, adverse effects. They'll see all kinds of worldwide tracking, other tracking data. But they're also going to find uh, great information about treatment, about uh, not only prevention of COVID, but treating if, it, if you've got COVID. Also, what happens if you've had COVID, how to treat it, if you've got what's called the, the long symptoms, you know, you have the tiredness or maybe the brain fog after that, or whether you've gotten the COVID shots and now you realize, oh my goodness, I should not have had that, or you're having kind of symptoms as a result of it that you didn't have before. There's other kinds of um, treatment options there for you. Go to the treatment section, it's all alphabetical, but we have lots of information uh, there that can help you in so many different areas. Question, uh, Matt, which it's awesome that you have that. I mean, I can just imagine people, in fact, there's people in our church, they did not want to get on their job. They were threatened uh, with the loss of their job. What if people have gotten these things? Hearing these stories that you've just told, that's got to strike fear in people's hearts. Is there hope to turn that around with some of these treatments you're talking about? Well, there's hope. Now, what we don't know is um, how effective some of this might be. 
What we do know is that the doctors are treating individuals that have had the COVID shots the best way that they are able to. There's lots of different doctors doing different kinds of treatments. So on that website under treatment, there's lots of different uh, information that you can accumulate for best treating uh, COVID. You, are, you obviously have to do as much as you can to detoxify uh, and get as much of that out of your system as possible. It's unknown how long something like this mRNA will stay in your body because it, it creates billions. You know, the COVID shot, the COVID itself creates a spike protein, but the mRNA shot creates billions of spike proteins, much, much more uh, intense and uh, massive than what you would have with COVID. So it's like having a super, super dose of COVID and it does it throughout all of your entire system. So it's a completely different thing that it does to create a spike protein than what the COVID shot does. What you have to do is try to get that out of your body and cleanse your, your system as much as possible and then build up your immune system because this takes a real toll on your immune system and thus the reason why people become very susceptible to cancers or recurrence of cancers or other kind of uh, immunological uh, immunofficiency diseases. You know, one thing too, and there were people that got the shot and they were remorseful um, that they took it. And so one of the things I've been doing is praying for all of yes. our folks. You know, this is a place that believes in divine healing. We, we see miracles and I encourage people to go to the Absolutely. website and look at the testimonies. But again, I'm a pragmatist. I believe hit it from every side, do what you can in the natural, believe God. Uh, with all your heart for his supernatural power to work. So. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Mark. Um, uh, I don't, uh, I want to talk more about vaccines, but there's a lot of other stuff, Matt, that I'd like to get to tonight as well. Um, uh, I'd like to talk about the Supreme Court a little bit uh, and your work there. I think last year, or maybe it was this year, uh, you had a really important victory there. Um, I refer to it as the Boston Christian flag case. Yeah. Can you tell us about the outcome of that and how important was that victory for you, for, for America? You know, uh, Richard, uh, back in 1989, when Anita and I started Liberty Council, we had several goals. Um, one was to overturn Roe v. Wade, the abortion decision, to strengthen the free speech clause of the Constitution, to strengthen the free exercise clause of the Constitution and to overturn a 1971 case known as Lemon versus Kurtzman because it had been used to strike down and remove nativity scenes, Ten Commandments under God uh, in the Pledge of Allegiance in some cases, uh, to censor people of faith, displays and so forth in words, symbols. Between May the 2nd and June 27, all of those were accomplished. This is the most amazing term of the Supreme Court in our lifetimes without question. So the case that I argued was the case of the Boston Christian flag case, I argued on January 18. We got a decision on uh, May the 2nd, a nine to zero victory. And let me give you a little example of how this fit together with the last case, which is the Coast Kennedy case, case on June 27th. In our case, uh, Boston created a public forum. It was out there in front of their city hall plaza and you could apply and lots of different people could use the form. And for 12 years, they also had a flagpole that 
you not only could you have the gathering out there on the plaza, but you could have temporary use of the flagpole to raise a flag for your event while you were doing your event. So for 12 years, they had 284 applications, no denials. 2017, uh, Camp Constitution, Hal Shirtliff, its founder, applied to celebrate the Constitution because Massachusetts, Boston, it's a rich place of our Judeo-Christian heritage. John Adams, John Quincy Adams, and so many others were from those areas. And he wanted to celebrate the National Constitution Day, which occurs every year, September 17th. And he applied, and he also wanted to raise the Christian flag because he wanted to emphasize the Judeo-Christian heritage and history of the founders and people like John Adams. And uh, they said, well, the flag's not a problem. So the symbols on the flag didn't bother the city. But it was the application where Hal referred to it as the Christian flag. They said, if you remove the word Christian on the application, and change it to something secular, like Camp Constitution. Call it the Camp Constitution flag. Call it anything, but don't call it a Christian flag. You can fly it. So this is the real key. If Hal perceived that flag to be Christian, then it's impermissible. If Hal perceived or thought the flag would be secular, the same flag could have flown. It was Hal's perspective on that flag. A secular perspective is okay. A religious perspective is not. And the reason, they said, is because the 1971 Lemon case said they needed to censor it. Well, we lost twice in the lower court, lost twice at the Court of Appeals, and won unanimously 9-0 to zero at the U.S. Supreme Court. And they criticized Lemon. So now let's go down to the last case of the term, June 27. This is the Coach Kennedy case. Same thing. Coach Kennedy could kneel on the football field after the game, and as long as he thought about secular things, where am I going to order the pizza for the gang after the game? Or I'm going to protest the flag and take a, take a knee. All that's fine for Washington's uh, school district, Bremerton School District. But if he thought in his mind he's going to pray to God silently, then that's not good. He can do the same thing, kneel down, protest the flag, kneel down, think about where he's going to order the pizza, kneel down because he's just tired. But if he kneels down and he's thinking religious Christian thoughts to God, then that's banned. And they said the reason is, is because of Lemon versus Kurtzman. So in that case, they cited our case, the Shirtliff versus City of Boston case, and they've overruled the 51-year-old precedent of Lemon versus Kurtzman. So it's never going to be used again to strike down nativity scenes, Ten Commandments, censor people like Hal Shirtliff, censor Coach Kennedy. It's gone. 51 years. That was generations in the making. We wow. worked on that since 1989. Others have too. Wow. And 33 years. And we had defeats. We, we thought we were close. We had victories and we thought we were close. Now that actually happened. So in between May the 2nd and June 27, the free speech clause of the First Amendment was strengthened. The free exercise clause in a case out of Maine was strengthened with regards to vouchers. The Lemon versus Kurtzman case that did damage to the free speech and free exercise clause and the establishment clause has been overruled 51 years later. And on June 24th, as you well know, the amazing decision of the Dobbs case overruling the abortion decisions going back to 1973, Roe v. Wade. 
We filed an amicus brief in that case on behalf of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference and the Frederick Douglass Foundation and others representing about 70,000 African-American and Hispanic churches. And our brief focused on the eugenic and racist history of abortion, how it was used to eliminate certain races and populations, and that that was Margaret Sanger's expressed purpose in sterilization, contraception, and abortion. And we urged the Supreme Court to close the chapter on that racist eugenic history, and they did, and they cited our brief in this case of Dobbs. So that is an amazing term, and no wonder, Richard and Mark, why the secularists are so upset and angry because they realize the impact of what just happened at the United States Supreme Court. Mm. Man, that is tremendous. And Matt, what you described on the flag case, if I've ever heard of the thought police, that is it. Penetrating into your mind, Mm -hmm. dictating what you should be thinking. Unbelievable. What a victory. Well, you think about it, you know, like the general public, they're going to see the same flag. So the flag wasn't the problem. They're not going to necessarily go in and dig into the applications. It was what Hal Shirtliff, the applicant, thought about that flag. And it was that one word, the word Christian, that caused this case to go all the way to the United States Supreme Court. If Hal, literally, they told Hal, if you had, if you just remove the word Christian and call it the Camp Constitution flag, then we're fine. You can fly the flag. Well, that's a lie. It's not that, you know, the United States flag is not the Camp Constitution flag. It's the flag of the United States of America. The Christian flag is not the Camp Constitution flag. It's the Christian flag. So it would be a lie. But if he lied or if he was just wanting to suppress what the flag stood for, then it would be okay. But if he calls it a Christian flag on the application, it was one word on the application that caused this case amazingly to go all the way to the United States Supreme Court and ultimately, uh, thank God, resulted in a 9-0 to win. You know, the interesting thing, Richard, you know, people have thrown around this term Christian nationalist, and they say, oh, well, you know, they're trying to stigmatize a group of Christians, and they've invented this term Christian nationalist. I'm not even sure what that is. I don't know anybody that identifies themselves as I'm a Christian nationalist. Um, But I've actually seen some people refer to the Camp Constitution flag is a Christian nationalist decision. Well, think about this. That's a Christian nationalist case. So Justice Breyer wrote the opinion. Uh, Kagan signed on to it. Well, those, you know, there's, there's, those are Jewish. They're, they're, they're Jewish. So how did you get a nine to zero decision on a Christian nationalist case? It's this, it's this uh, false narrative that they're trying to spin to silence and intimidate and demonize people who love God and love America under this label Christian nationalist, which is a false politically induced term. Absolutely. Well, the, the, um, those are incredible victories. When I was in law school, I wrote my uh, law review note on, uh, it was a case called Bowen versus Kendrick, but it dealt with the yeah. proper application of Lemon versus Kurtzman. And so I'm really familiar with that and praise be to God that it's no longer the law because it was never consistent with the founders intent but Matt it seems like the next war or we're we're the war that we find ourselves in right now 
as far as freedom of speech and freedom of religion and, and basically uh, uh, everything that we hold dear really as far as family goes is the LGBT movement and ideology. In 2015, yeah. the United States Supreme Court said that homosexuals can marry one another, same sex, not just can they, but every state has to grant full uh, recognition of that as a legal marriage. And now, just a few years later, we're finding ourselves, I think, buried in a state of gender insanity, right, with, mm -hmm. with crazy stuff going on, drag parties for small school children and mutilating our children with gender reassignment surgery and all kinds of heinous things like this. Where, just looking into your legal um, prognosticator box, where do you see this war ending up over the question of gender, sexuality, in terms of uh, the First Amendment? And, you know, we can't, we can't continue like this, it seems. It's got to break one way or the other. What do you think is going to happen? I think what we're seeing right now is a lot of stories of regret. And I think we're seeing other people. I mean, even Bill Maher, as you know, liberal as he is, he's coming out and blasting uh, these puberty blockers and hormones and plastic surgery, invasive uh, mutilating surgery to remove healthy body parts, calling it insane that you can't change your gender, you can't change your sex. And others are coming out with that as well. But what we're starting to also see is a lot of young people coming out with stories of regret. And we've been reporting on a lot of these stories of regret uh, recently with regards to individuals that have gone through the hormones or puberty blockers, have ex unfortunately uh, mutilated their bodies, and then they regret it. And um, there's one story, uh, her name is Chloe. And she went through all of that hormones and, and uh, surgery. And now she has regretted, she's now comfortable with the birth sex that she was born with, that God designed her to be. And she is really pushing back and there's many others like her. So I think what we're going to see, unfortunately, is um, regrettably a lot of people have been injured and will continue to be injured. But I think what we're seeing there is something similar to what we're seeing in COVID. You can't suppress the truth forever. And so what you're going to see and what we're now starting to see are people that says, no, this is wrong and enough is enough and we need to stop this. And what we are also seeing, and this goes back to the medical profession, this is becoming a multi-billion dollar industry for the medical profession, where they're just rushing these people in through puberty blockers, hormones of the opposite sex, and then invasive surgery with no counseling, no direction at, at all. Uh, so. I think we're going to see eventually a reversal of this. I think the pendulum will swing the other way. I think at some point in time with the right case, uh, this 2015 uh, case on marriage will be overturned. I don't think it's going to take nearly 49 years like Roe versus Wade. Uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. It, it, it collapsed because it didn't have a foundation. It was never founded in the Constitution. Neither is the same-sex marriage case. That's right. That's right. Excellent. Well, there's, there's uh, uh, so much we could talk about here, but one other question, Pastor Mark. I think we got to ask Matt about the politicization of the Justice Department. Mm. Uh, as an attorney, you know, it's all over. I think anybody with any objectivity at all uh, is alarmed right now about what's happening to our, our law enforcement apparatus, especially at the federal level. 
uh, how the Biden administration is using FBI and justice to go after uh, political opponents or ideological opponents. Are you, are you seeing that too? Are you concerned about it? What, what are your comments on that situation? I'm very concerned about it because we, we saw that, for example, with the Obama administration. And you have Obama Biden. You know, Eric Holder was someone who used the office of the attorney general to go after ideological opponents. Uh, and he did that right away by filing face lawsuits, the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances lawsuits against pro-lifers. He did it against one of our clients, Susan Pine. We defended her for two years, eventually got it dismissed. The judge said what we've always said from the very beginning, that it was politically motivated, it had no basis in law and facts, and the Justice Department had to pay over $100,000 for that frivolous lawsuit. We also saw it during the Obama administration with Lois Lerner, remember that, where she was denying the 501c4 tax exemption approvals uh, that wanted to get approved before the election, and it was politically motivated. Now we see it even worse during the Biden administration. He's obviously learned a lot from Obama, and now he's taking it to another level. All of the different agencies are being politically used. And if you go back to September 1, to kind of get an idea of how he thinks and how those around him think, remember that speech that he gave at Independence Hall with the two Marines behind him? I mean, that's ironic because he was trying to kick out the Marines and and he's still trying to do that, but for this injunction. But he used a term that is very startling for anybody of that stature to use, and that is, he said that MAGA Republicans represented a, quote, clear and present danger, close quote, to the democracy or to our democracy. Um, that phrase, clear and present danger, comes from a Supreme Court decision from Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr., and essentially, it means that if you are considered a clear and present danger to the health and welfare and safety of the public, then your constitutional liberties can be taken away, like your First Amendment right to free speech, free exercise of religion, assembly, your right to redress the government. All of those can be taken away to mitigate you being the threat of a clear and present danger. I mean, there's even a movie called Clear and Present Danger, and it, it's about some really serious danger to the United States of America. For him to call essentially half of America a clear and present danger kind of illustrates where he's coming from. That was not an off-the-cuff speech. That was something that someone had read or had written, uh, had been approved, it had been vetted, and he said it. And he said it uh, angrily. Well, what does that mean? I think that means he is using and will intend to use every agency possible to silence opposition. Right. That's why this midterm is so very important. He's already said what happened. If he retains the House and the Senate, particularly the Senate, he's going to pass the bill that codifies Roe versus Wade on the federal level. And it's going to be even worse than Roe versus Wade, allowing abortion through all nine months of pregnancy and even more, funding and so forth. He's going to, he's going to pass the Equality Act, which will uh, be a direct collision with religious freedom in churches. There's no exemption for churches or religious organizations. He's going to pass uh, so many other areas of, of law that go directly against our core values. Uh, and he's already telegraphed what he's going to do.
So I, I, I think um, I think we are in a very serious situation, and I think the midterm that's coming up is one of the most critical, if not the most critical, that we've ever faced, because uh, it is such a radical regime. We've seen it, for example, in the United States military. Our class action certification that we got from the federal judge has a very powerful paragraph in it. And it's directed specifically to the Biden administration's Department of Defense, how they essentially operate as though they are above the law, like the Religious Freedom Restoration Act doesn't apply to them. And that's how they've actually operated, that they're above it. Oh, yeah, they know it's out there, but there's an exception, the military exception, essentially. We don't have to abide by it. And you judge, this is essentially what they said, you have no jurisdiction over us. We can do exactly what we want to. It doesn't matter. That's their attitude. And that's the attitude of this administration, that it is lawless and it'll use anything at its disposal to target and censor individuals. I mean, look at look at what they've done already with um, the January 6 people. Right. Or, you know, uh, uh, Steve Bannon. You know, Steve Bannon actually ended up testifying, and yet he's going to serve four months in prison if he doesn't win on appeal. Well, Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress, no consequence. Lois Lerner was held in contempt of Congress, no consequence. Steve Bannon's held in contempt of Congress four months in prison, even though he actually ended up testifying. I mean, it's a double standard, and they're using all of the engine of the government to silence and target people. And I think it was intentional to call people who he said were MAGA supporters or MAGA Republicans a clear and present danger saying that people who are mega republicans are lawless and that they're essentially insurrectionists and that they're dangerous using the word dangerous frankly his language is dangerous yeah well i wrote a blog on that that's on our website matt called the the most dangerous speech by american president and uh, yeah. i agree 100 percent with you that he followed a classic pattern used by tyrants to seize power where he uh defames uh, and castigates his political opponents as enemies of the nation or enemies of the republic, and then postures himself as the answer to that, and then uh, uses whatever means are necessary to go after him. And that's exactly what, what he said in his speech. But great analysis there. Well, I was just getting ready to point oh. everybody to that. Uh, and I want to encourage our listening audience, go to Truth and Liberty and read the article. Richard, I thought it was spot on. It nailed it. It was alarming. And one of the things I think you said, Matt, is these midterms are so very important. And one of the things that people have got to do is get out and vote. Just recently at Church for All Nations, well, it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, we have a culture impact team. And so we have meetings and I had Richard Harris and Tim Barton and they came in and spoke. And I have to say, it was like two edges of the same sword. Richard came at it from the scriptural standpoint of why you must vote. It's our duty. Tim Barton historically came in, and I mean, Richard, I think that was probably the most encouraging message that I've ever heard. And Matt, just you citing the goals that you and your wife had when you started Liberty Council in all these years, we can never give up. And one of the right. things that people need to do is get out and vote. Now in the state of Colorado, 
Uh, Truth and Liberty, <laughs> you worked really hard on this, Richard, and those voter guides are on uh, online and uh, they can download those. But we're we're getting we're running out of time here, Matt. Uh, any closing comments you want to say to the listening audience tonight before we go off air? Well, you know, no church has ever lost its tax exempt status for engaging in lobbying, which is for or against local, state, or national legislation. No church has ever lost its tax exempt status for political convention, which is involving political candidates. So there's no reason to be afraid. And I encourage pastors and church leaders and nonprofit leaders to remove the muzzle and replace it with the megaphone and mm. never, ever, ever give up. You know, this what I was talking about in the Supreme Court was generations in the making. There were some victories and there were some defeats, but you just never, ever give up. And yet at the same time, the victories that happened this year between May the 2nd and June 27 will be generations into the future in terms of their impact, not only for America, but around the world, because other Supreme Court around the world, they follow and they look at the United States Supreme Court as an example. And that will, and, and Richard, as you know, when students go to law school this year, they're not going to be reading Roe v. Wade anymore. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. They've, they've read Roe v. Wade since 1973. Mm -hmm. They won't be reading that in their case book anymore. It'll be the Dobbs decision. So it will be generational, never give up and uh, never get discouraged and go out and vote because this is a very critical time of our uh, history and it's an important time for us to vote and get others to do, the, do so as well. Amen to that. Richard, Excellent. you have some closing comments for us tonight? Oh, thank you, Mark. Well, I just uh, thank Matt for being on the show and what amazing uh, content we've gotten tonight from him. But I would mention as well that, you know, um, I had an encounter with a woman at one of our pastor meetings where she uh, said, I, I didn't vote for Donald Trump and I'll never vote for Donald Trump because, and fill in the blank, it's the typical stuff about him being nasty and mean and whatever. But the, the, the point I want to make is everything that Matt just talked about is a legacy of Donald Trump's appointment. Now, he's not the only one, okay? But exactly. he's, he's the one that put these justices the, that tipped the scale onto the Supreme yep. Court and throughout the federal bench. And, and not just that, but that stood up for liberty uh, of the church. And so when we're voting people, let's know what we're voting about. And it's not just about personality. It's about what does the candidate stand for? And don't be afraid of the candidate that will actually take a stand. Mark. Well said. Well, Matt, thank you for being with us. It's always a pleasure to have you and thank you for what you're doing. You're such a vital and important part of the body of Christ right now. And, uh, their ministry, and not only in the United States, but around the world, is having a, a tremendous impact. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Awesome. And thank you for joining us tonight. We'll see you next week at this same time. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net.